Welcome into episode 21 of Fatal to Prejudice. Um, if you haven't already, like, share, comment, subscribe, all the fun things. Uh, check out the Patreon if you want to, if you're feeling so gracious to help out the channel. Um, yeah, let's get into the episode today. I have Shravya here, and we've actually never met before until like uh, an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> So first person uh, to come on the show that I've never met before and to share your story. So thanks for coming in. Hi, everybody. It's so <laughs> great to be here. I <laughs> yeah, appreciate you coming in uh, and, you know, taking the jump, the leap to do this. Uh, so, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. So you grew up here in Columbus, right? Yeah, I okay. grew up in, in Columbus. Um, I went to Olentangy Orange High School. Um, graduated 2016 and then went to Ohio State got my bachelor's and yeah now I'm just chilling <laughs> <laughs> okay so like let's uh, let's dive into like how you grew up um, um I had a very interesting well I consider it to be interesting at least um let's see middle school elementary school I was kind of like the weird awkward kid um I let's see. I wore shape ups <laughs> and skinny that? jeans. <laughs> you know the sketchers, like the sketchers shape ups, like oh, okay, the tone yeah. up, you to tone your legs. <laughs> and I wore those with skinny jeans, and I always wore like um, a zipper jacket, <laughs> and that was just like my style. <laughs> and everybody would make fun of me for it, but I didn't really know how to dress. But that was how I dressed. <laughs> yeah, I um, I was bullied a lot back in school. Yeah, I was like very weird in gym class. Like I was always the one to get picked last. And <laughs> when oh, no. we would when we would run, like actually people would argue about like who to not like who would have me on their team. Like really, yeah, people would be like, oh, like I don't want her. It's your turn to have her this time. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Oh my god. <laughs> and then we'd have to do like that running lap thing, and then. Um, I told my gym teacher that um, I actually did pretty decent in that. Like, I run pretty fast. But I told my gym teacher that, Mr. Smith, that, like, the, the only reason why I run really fast is because I just picture, like, someone with a machete chasing after me, like, in all the horror movies that I've okay. watched. And then he sent me to the guidance counselors. And then they thought that I had some mental issues. Because of that. <laughs> That's so nice of them. <laughs> <laughs> they kept on asking me after that, like, if how I was doing in school and things like that, too, which is really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Not only are you getting bullied, but, like, you're getting bullied by the gym teacher. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I know that you're, I know that, you know, you can't really, you know, but he's like, that's, like, a really weird answer to give, you know. <laughs> he was like... <laughs> But to me, it sounds like a, like a normal thing for like a kid to be that imaginative. So, <laughs> And I was doing well. Like I, I made the time limit. So. All right. Why does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> After I told him that, he just looked really weird. He was like, that's, that's very concerning. <laughs> just imaginative kid. Yeah. He just loves horror movies. Uh, was that like your thing in high school or oh, middle I love school? Okay. Even, even now, like if I'm not like emotionally traumatized or <laughs> anything <laughs> like that, it wasn't a good movie. So, like, are you, are you one of those people that can sit there like through 
you know, five scary movies, like, back to back to back, or, and, like, not feel phased, or do you have to, like, watch them, and you're like, uh, now I'm kind of, like, scared to walk around the house, and it's dark. Depending on the movie, like, um, honestly, like, I am, like, I get, like, very, like, scared after watching, like, a single horror movie, but that's the benefit of it. Like, that's why I love it so much. Like, if I'm not, like, like, if I don't have to, like... I can't watch it without watching a Disney movie or something fun after. Okay. But like, you know, that's like the, that's why I love horror movies so much is like because of the <laughs> psychological trauma that happens. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I, I feel the same. Like I can watch a scary movie. I only really watch it around Halloween time. Um, <laughs> but I'll like. I'll watch one and be like, oh, shit. Like, that one actually kind of freaked me out. Like, let's watch a stand-up special. (laughs) (laughs) There's some really interesting ones on Netflix. (laughs) Like, I remembered uh, when I was 13 years old, there was, like, this, like, mockumentary thing called Megan's Missing. Um, It was, like, a parody thing, but it was, like, it was, like, like, this little girl who, like, was talking to some guy online who claimed like he was like in her like middle school or high school or whatever and was like oh yeah meet me at this party in the middle of the night it'll be fun and then she goes to this party and then with her friend and they're like um videotaping her um like videotaping like how this guy like might have like potentially was looking in on this party like watching her and that sort of thing too and you know, at the end of the of the movie, um, she ends up going to um, this guy's like, like, like lair or whatever the fuck <laughs> it was, <laughs> and she gets chopped up and like it's very graphic. Like her nose is like stuck up. She has like these like laundry pins in. Her friend oh is like, I know what you did to Megan, <laughs> and she gets chopped up too. It's very like I was like I could not sleep. <laughs> but then I remembered going back to school and being like, you know what? At least I'm not Megan. I'm getting bullied, but like at least I'm not getting chopped up into pieces. Yeah. So there's always a perk. <laughs> <laughs> it always could be worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like same thing with like Bloody Mary and that sort of thing too. Like I always like read the, these like ho- like horror things like, oh my gosh, like I cannot, like I have to keep the lights on. The door has to be open when I'm in the shower just in case I think about that. You know, like think about yeah. her name. She comes out of the wind, like the, the mirror and like stabs me or <laughs> does whatever. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm at school. People are like, you know, they don't want to be my partner for the science project. That's fine. But at least I'm not Bloody Mary's victim. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting way to cope with being bullied. <laughs> Um, but like, do you know why people bullied you or they just did it? Um, I was honestly just like really awkward. I had like no social skills growing (laughs) up and, um, I mean now it's a lot better obviously, but I mean there it was like, it was just like, I don't know. It didn't help that my parents also didn't really have social skills, (laughs) so they couldn't like teach me. (laughs) But that was basically it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's a trial and error process, you know. Yeah. Socializing is the worst sometimes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Speaking from experience also. (laughs) Uh, But, like, how else did you grow up and, you know, deal with everything? Um, I, so I I was actually, I had a lot of interests growing up. I still have a lot of interests now. 
but you know i was like in, in marching band which i suck i realized i suck at multitasking so it's hard for me to march and play <laughs> so um that was interesting um but i was really good like i took private lessons for violin and alto saxophone but then when i started college i quit everything and then just focused full-time on my studies and realized like oh like i want to like i have all these goals like how am i gonna like achieve them type thing but <laughs> so you could have made like the osu marching band like you were that good but not that good at marching i i was good at like um i was good at the instrument like i i was actually like i was in jazz ensemble like i in solo and ensemble competition thing like i got ones both times like um and like during like the ensemble they forced us to be like in an ensemble with like other people which sucked because like I knew what I was doing and everybody else I thought kind of sucked. <laughs> so it was just like one of those things where it's like, I don't want to be like that person that's like telling people what to do. But yeah. at the same time, I want to do well because like I loved, you know, I love playing and that sort of thing. And I, I was good at what I was doing. Yeah, it was just one of those things where it was just like, like I, I can't multitask. <laughs> and plus yeah. like being in like a marching band full time for college, it's like a job, you know, right. and I just don't have time with like my career prospects like to do that full time i mean sure it would be fun like but i mean long term like it's not going to really do much for me i guess yeah right it's not really like you're gonna go play like a professional marching yeah. band or whatever yeah <laughs> makes sense um is there anything else like you wanted to mention about growing up and all that stuff not really i mean there was one time like one phase that i went through when i was in eighth grade where like I was very self-conscious about me staring at people like I thought it like bothered them that I was like staring at them long term especially like you know when you look at someone they make eye contact with you yeah. and then I just didn't know like whether it was like okay for me to like look down or like continue looking at them in the eye like if that was like okay and that was like like a, a phase that I went through the entire year and like also like with makeup and stuff like that too. I did some really crazy things like I used to wear like my eyeliner all the way like I don't know it's like the starting of like my hairline type thing it yeah. was just like I just thought that was like like hot shit <laughs> <laughs> I saw on a YouTube video I was like damn like this makes my eyes so big but then when I put on my glasses I'm like oh it's okay it's like the style <laughs> and then people would be like what happened to your face <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's a trial and error process you know you just kind of live and learn right and kids are the worst oh my gosh they're the so worst they're they're definitely the worst like i went through an ugly duckling phase like in my middle school and then all of a sudden in high school like i realized like oh you know that that probably does not look good on me so i'm gonna like mix up my wardrobe a little bit and then you know kind of um and go from there and everybody was like oh my god you're a completely different person i'm like yeah <laughs> thank you I don't <laughs> put eyeliner like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a lot of people have that sort of phase, right? That, you know, you, you're still trying to figure yourself out. You're trying to figure the world out, you know, all of that stuff. And sometimes you snap out of it in school and then sometimes it just you just don't it's later in life right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i used to be self-conscious of it because i used to be like i'm gonna have a perfect life 
but then you realize that like those obstacles that you went through they make you interesting and then they make you better person too you know yeah like that's kind of what i tell people like on the suicide prevention hotline that i you know volunteer at Mm -hmm. like you know like you know what you're going through it's just a part of your story that's all it is like it's not something that defines you like your mental illness doesn't define you um you know what you're going through doesn't you know define you it's just it's how you overcome those obstacles and your resiliency and your ability to carry forward so, so you can move on and you know find some sort of happiness and peace in your life is what matters absolutely yeah um and also you have fun stories to tell when you get older <laughs> on how, how you dressed and looked in school I did all of that just for this podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah every decision you made led you to this moment <laughs> oh man uh so you mentioned um that you like work for the national suicide prevention hotline um but before we like talk about that can we you want to get to like that point before you started there oh sure um so like going through college and whenever you started it yeah sure so um i went to college at ohio state university um i got my bachelor's in pharmacy um and you know like my first semester my first year you know before i started college um i got into the honors program and that's not an easy feat (laughs) it was very difficult actually um you had to like write a paper and do all sorts of uh, sorts of you know stuff (laughs) and you know i i took my classes very seriously like i took 18 credit hours i also volunteered at the set the psychology lab that one of my professors had which was fun like i was like very interested in that sort of thing even though you know just trying to get my prerequisites done um i was actually like i had a really strong work ethic like i was always on coffee and you know 7 a.m i would just be in the library and then stay there till 10 p.m you know with breaks in between and that sort of thing and if i got like anything less than an a i would just be like all right what's the next plan like how can i kind of do better on this exam but then i kind of realized that like later on like throughout the stuff like i got really burnt out like you know doing that sort of thing all the time i was just exhausted i was like you know what sleeping till 10 10 in the morning missing classes and i was just like i don't think i can do this anymore (laughs) And, um, you know, I started working more as well because, you know, I wanted to be independent and that sort of thing as well. And I, um, at the end of my first year, they took me out of the honors program after my um, general chemistry grade. It dropped below like a 3.5 or whatever you had to have to maintain it. So that was like really heartbreaking. Like I thought like my entire life was over. I was like sobbing to my roommates. But I'm like, you know, like being in an honors program is not going to like, you know, no employer is going to be like, oh, you got canceled out of an honors program. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care about that. But I guess being 18 years old and just fresh out of high school, you know, everything like that is just kind of very new. Right. Yeah. yeah. And like the honors program, like that's that's <laughs> prestige as like a kid, right? Yeah. Like, that's all you want. Yeah. It's just to be amazing at another level, et cetera. Right. Yeah. But I mean, the reality is, is that like, like the smartest people like they like nobody cares about that stuff like it's literally like what you do with your life and like who you know right everything is tied to who you know these days and not necessarily what you know right and that's something that took me a long time to figure out (laughs) (laughs) yeah so was that that was just your first year of college yeah 
um, I, I did well, like my sophomore, junior, um, and then my GPA is like definitely tanked. Like, you know, everybody's like praising like the upward GPA trend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Mine was like a downward trend, <laughs> but I'm working on it. Um, I graduated though, but <laughs> it was, it was rough. I used like the pandemic thing as like an excuse, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, but honestly, online classes were like the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just got really burnt out. I was just really tired of school. You know, I took a break from it. It took me five years to get my bachelor's degree, which kind of sucked. And even now, like, I'm still taking classes, even though I graduated, so I can apply to, um, like, the psychiatric nurse practitioner program in October, mm -hmm. um, hopefully very soon. Um, so it's like, yeah, I mean, like, everybody's journey is, like, their own. I mean, one of my friends, um, you know, it took him six, seven years to get his bachelor's, and he's doing really well. So, I mean, time is just you know, everybody has like their own thing. And I kind of saw myself comparing myself to other people. Like one of my friends got accepted into, um, uh, what is it called? Optometry school. And she only, it took her four, year, four years. I mean, she's doing really well. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm still like, you know, I haven't <laughs> figured that out yet, but at least I know what direction I'm going. So that's, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And it really, yeah, it's all that matters is you know what you want to do and you know the steps to get there. Even if it takes you, you know, longer than the average statistic, it's fine, right? Mm -hmm. You're still going to get there. Yeah, like longer than like what other people think that you should take, you know, like everybody's like, oh no, college is four years, high school's four years. You know, sometimes right. people take a fifth year in high school. Sometimes people take a fourth year in middle school. Who knows? You know, who cares? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you got your bachelor's and then um, did you, you didn't figure it out right then that you wanted to go to the NP practice, right? No, I worked well, while I was getting like my bachelor's in pharmacy. I was like super determined. I was like, I'm going to be a pharmacist. I don't even know why I chose pharmacy. It's really boring <laughs> and there's no jobs. <laughs> like there's like a negative something decline in the job perspectives out there and the pay sucks. Like every single pharmacist I've talked to, retail, hospital, you know, whatever it is, long-term care, they're all like, don't go to pharmacy school. If you're going to invest four years of your life, go to medical school. That's what they always tell me. And or PA school. I mean, two years, you get just as much pay, if not more. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's just like, you know, I'm just like, oh, no, it's okay. Pharmacy school is for me. But I couldn't, like, if, if someone were to ask me, like, why do you want to be a pharmacist? I'd be like, uh, I don't know. Like, I like drugs. No, <laughs> not really. I just, it was one of those things where it's like, you invest so much time into something. And it's just like, it just feels weird starting new type right. thing. But I'm really glad because, like, at, I worked at um, a hospital pharmacy, and I really hated the environment. Like, it was just, it was just, like, a lot of toxicity going on. Like, people are, like, like, our manager had, like, this thing where, like, she wanted everybody to go to her. And it was, like, instead of talking to you directly, it was just one of those things where it's, like, they would just go to her, and then you'd find out, like, two weeks later that you made this random mistake or something. Oh, and it, it was, was just, like, petty. <laughs> petty, extremely petty. <laughs> And it's just like, you could have just talked to this. You just could have talked to me about it, right? Like, And then I was just like, 
damn all, all like all jobs like this like <laughs> and then I started um at my new position and I'm just like you know expecting like the worst because I've only experienced the worst like I'm only used to toxic environments yeah um and I didn't realize like how traumatized I was <laughs> from that environment because you know like the nurses were really sweet they were just like oh what's your name and I'm just like why do you want to know my name <laughs> this is sketch <laughs> and they're just like <laughs> I'm just like all right my my name is Stravia, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but then, <laughs> then I realized, like, that's not, you know, that's, like, a very toxic environment. And it was just, like, um, it was, like, you know, not something that I want to, I can see myself doing until I retire. And Yeah. Yeah, and there's just no job prospects. And in order to do a residency, I mean, in order to work in a hospital pharmacy, you have to do residency. Um, not necessarily have to, but, like, these days, like, it's really hard to find a job without doing residency. So... I was just like, you know what, I'm going to just work at my current position in the psychiatric hospital. And it turned out that I loved it. And I'm just like, wow, like, this is like what I'm supposed to do. Like, 100%. Like, I love these patients. Like, I love my coworkers. Like, this is how, like, it's supposed to be for me. Like, I was just like, everything clicked. So like that environment, that situation happened for a reason. Right. You know, for me to just like to find out what exactly I'm meant to do. So how did that like switch happen from working at a hospital and like the pharmacy versus like, what was that step that you took to go to the like psychiatric hospital? Honestly, I was just so desperate to get out of that department. I was applying to every single job okay. on workday. Like I was just like, I need to get out of here. Like this is like the worst environment. Like when they talk about workplace bullying, like, that was what was happening. Like, wow. very incivil, incivil people. Like, it was just a very rough environment. Um, but, like, you know, it's the complete opposite in my current department. Like, I love it. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. But, I mean, I know that the current department, the previous department that I worked at, they're taking steps to, like, fix it and stuff. But, I mean, it's just, it was just, like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, things happen for a reason and it's just, it just wasn't my environment. For a lot of people, they're very successful in that kind of high stress, high pressure type thing. But like, you know, I had undiagnosed ADHD at the time. Like I couldn't focus long enough to do a task or to finish a task um, without the current help that I'm getting right now. And my ADHD symptoms are getting better. But it was just like, you know, on top of that, on top of the stress, on top of like all those external pressures and that sort of thing on top of school like I just couldn't I just couldn't function in that type of environment right yeah it, you just can't with all the all the different like triggers and everything yeah. it's it's hard to work in like some environment that just yeah any any environment can be toxic with whatever is happening around you right yeah and it's interesting because like like the people that I work with not everybody there's some really great people there um like one or two people can definitely ruin an environment for you like I found myself like trying to plan my schedule around their schedule and that sort of thing too and these people were like in their 30s or 40s and I was like 21 <laughs> years old and I just I was just like I was really feeling it like um it was just like the worst thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you just mentioned that you got diagnosed with ADHD and you didn't know like until you got into that work environment. We kind of talked about it earlier, like not recording, but 
Um, do you want to go through that again? Yeah, sure. Um, I got diagnosed with ADHD a month ago. I started a different job. I used to work in the COVID clinics at um, a hospital system. And um, I applied internally to a different pharmacy, hospital pharmacy job position. And I realized that like, oh my gosh, like, like I need to be able to like manage tasks efficiently. Like that was stuff that like I was able to do, but like I do it very slowly because of my ADHD. Like it was very difficult for me to multitask and to stay concentrated on a single task, like at a time. Like, um, for example, like when I was, you know, training on IVs, like compounding IVs, um, I saw myself like, you know, focused, like super hyper-focused on like this one thing that I had to make. And then all of a sudden, like, like a stat med would, would print out like something that had to be done like ASAP, but like, I wouldn't see it. Or, um, it was just very hard for me to interrupt like what I was currently doing to move on to a different task. Or like after I do that task, it was very hard for me to like go back to that task, um, if that made sense. Or like I yeah. missed like little details because of my ADHD. And I was like, you know what, like this is not good, like, you know, for patients and stuff like that. Like it's not fair for them, for, for me to like not bring my best, my best self forward. And if there is like an underlying problem, like regardless of like what it is, like I have to figure out what it is and I have to do my best and like get this situation focused so that way like nobody is you know losing out on you know nobody's being harmed but like you know my job and stuff like that like nobody's being affected regardless if it's a patient or a nurse or anybody um so I went to the doctor and they he gave me like this ADHD like um questionnaire thing and I realized like I checked off all of the boxes (laughs) like I was forgetful disorganized showing up late and it's like even when I plan, like I'm still doing those things, like, like showing up late. Um, it's just like one of those things where it's like I would like get ready like a, an hour before and be like, oh, I have an hour, so I'm gonna just clean my house. I'm just gonna do this, and then all of a sudden I have like ten minutes to drive to work and walk in and everything, and I'm just like, I'm gonna be late. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, honestly, like with Adderall and like my current treatment plan, it's gotten a lot better, and I'm so glad. I'm kind of sad that like it took me this long, like at 23 <laughs> to figure out that I have ADHD, but at least I figured it out. So that's yeah. what. So um, what's, there's like a factor that boys are diagnosed with ADHD like way earlier and then women are diagnosed with it like way later in life what's do you know about that and like what happens and um why that is i think because like boys like when you think about it like adhd like the stereotypical thing for adhd when people think of like an average patient they think of like oh a 12 year old boy or a 10 year old boy like you know not able to stay still in their seat like being disruptive like class Class clown clown. yeah (laughs) and i mean that 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 is adhd right there but like for girls it's a lot different because it's like the symptoms are a lot different like for girls i think it's more of like disorganization like inability to follow like carry through with directions even though you know even if they wrote it down or something they just still forget and you know they they just hide it better they're not necessarily like the class clown type and which is why like they get diagnosed later um, I think the average age for like women that I read online, I may or may not be right. It's 32 <laughs> compared yeah, to that's like, way later. Oh boy, yeah, <laughs> I'm really glad I'm not 32 and just finding out that I have ADHD. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, it's, I'm definitely not like the stereotypical 12 year old boy, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I, I was kind of shocked that I did like check off all of those boxes, like inability to focus like long term, unless like it's something I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Um, or like really enjoy doing um or it's like um like repetitive boring tasks like it's very difficult for me to be just be like okay (laughs) 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 Um, or like you know if i'm learning something really boring like for me like history was really boring for me you know i just i can't sit there and just like memorize a bunch of facts and stuff like that so i would just be like okay you know what let's take a break let's take a 10 minute break and then that 10 minute break would turn into half hour hour all of a sudden you know i started at 2 p.m it's 10 p.m and i'm just like (laughs) you know what tomorrow tomorrow's fine (laughs) we'll get there tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) like procrastination is a huge thing but honestly like with adderall and everything it's helped significantly it's like putting on a pair of glasses after like seeing the world blurry for the first time you know like it's amazing like you're just like like there's like a surge of motivation it's because like the dopamine i think what i read online is because like the dopamine is like very inconsistent so like people with adhd they'll like find like little spurts of dopamine off of like those little distractions but like with adderall i think it helps like like um i guess keep it consistent i guess i might be wrong but it sounds sounds right <laughs> so there could be like there's like gaps in dopamine flow yes. to the brain of someone who has adhd but then it's like if you take adderall it, it like makes it more constant yeah okay and it helps it with like focusing and that sort of thing too okay i'm not an ad- i'm not advocating for everybody to take adderall or like to to do that kind of <laughs> thing but if you have adhd or have adhd symptoms like i mean it doesn't hurt like Go to a doctor go, first. Go to a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like. Don't be buying Adderall. <laughs> Back alley Adderall from your local pharmacist. Everybody's or... popping Addies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it. Go through a doctor and all that fun stuff. Yep. Yeah. The the legit way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just be like, wow, I'm disorganized sometimes or I'm late sometimes. Like, maybe that's just who you are as a person. (laughs) Yeah, but it was just like, even regardless of like how much effort I put, like I would still forget something, you know? Yeah. And it was just like, you know, I really had to like step up, like especially like, you know, as like I'm moving into my career and that sort of thing. Like I want to make sure like, you know, being a future healthcare like provider like i bring my absolute best to like my future patients and to my coworkers and to anybody literally you know so yeah yeah <laughs> i that's i that's a good way to think about it is like you recognize hey i don't think i'm like quote unquote normal yeah uh or whatever <laughs> and, and you're like maybe i should get checked for adhd yeah and you're like, now I can take care of patients or anyone yeah. in a better manner than I did before. Because you have that experience of, n- you know, not bringing your A game every yeah. day when you worked at the hospital and yeah. the pharmacy, right? Yeah. Like, regardless of, like, even if I did try really hard, there was always something. And I think, you know, like, even if I did try to, like, bring my A game, it was just, it, it just wasn't enough. 
and I knew that like there must have been something with like my executive functioning that wasn't working because it was like it was very stressful like like just having to really think of like really hard about what I was doing compared to someone else who's just like effortless effortlessly like switching tasks and doing a task and then coming back and finishing the task yeah which is something that I really struggled with regardless of what it was even if it was homework like starting the homework taking a break and then having to restart that homework you know what I mean like it's just something that I struggled with and I was like it's executive functioning for sure yeah so you'd have to during your bachelor's you'd have to like write the whole paper at once versus writing a page at a time or whatever yeah Yeah, that's why procrastination for me was a huge thing like I remembered in one of my classes I had a 10 page paper to write and um uh, we had the entire semester to write it like everybody (laughs) was starting it and I started it and I was like you know what this sucks like this this is like the stupid, stupidest crap I've ever written. Like, yeah. does it make sense? Like, it, it does, it's not interesting. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a break for today. And then today I turned into <laughs> weeks. And all of a sudden I had like, like, like a couple days to write it before I had to turn it in. And I did my best work. <laughs> like, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm about to like, like break this down, like two and a half pages per day. These are the references. And I read it, and I'm like, this is good stuff. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is pretty decent. And I'm like, how come I wasn't able to do that, like, you know, when, when I had all this time? Right. It's like, it's because of the ADHD. Like, that's a very common symptom. Like, yeah. You need the you need that pressure, the, yes. like, <laughs> short timeline. Yeah. I need that consequences. Like, this is worth, like, 20% of my grade, 25% of my grade. Like, if I, if I get a really bad grade, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> you know? I'll have to retake it or something, you know. Right. Um, did you have, do you have the symptom of ADHD where you f- can hyper-focus on, like, one interesting thing, and then, like, five minutes later, you're like, this is boring? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say, like, oh, like, the five minutes later. Um, not necessarily. It kind of just depends on the day. Like, if the task, if it's something, like, I'm really passionate about, um, the thing is, like, with I don't know if this is a symptom of ADHD, but it's like I have an interest in everything. But like, starting it is like not good. But like, when I'm in the midst of doing a task or or something related to what I'm interested in, I'm just like very focused. But then the next day or like the next week, like my interest might change, and I just yeah. can't go back to it. <laughs> <laughs> like um, this past um, like uh, this past summer, I was taking an aviation course at Ohio State. Um, Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It totally relates to (laughs) whatever you were doing. I was like, I'm going to be a private pilot. (laughs) So I started taking the class and I'm like, damn, this is really, I was like, at first I was like, oh my God, this is fun. Like I'm learning about Cessnas, airports, you know, Airbus, Boeing, all those types of airplanes. And then as I got into it, I'm like, this is so boring. We have to learn about weather. (laughs) <laughs> we have to do cold and hot fronts. Like, I can't read those types of maps. <laughs> and I realized I just wasn't interested in it, which is why I wasn't learning. And, yep. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned you can be interested in just everything. And at some point, you're like, nope, <laughs> toss it in the trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of a problem with me. But... um 
one thing that I did notice about myself is that if I invest like a significant amount of time into something, um, I'm going to remain interested in it regardless. Like for pharmacy, um, you know, I, I do love pharmacy and, um, I, at one point I was really determined on being a pharmacist, but then I realized like with my ADHD symptoms, like it just, it's, you know, having to be that level detail oriented and that sort of thing, especially like with packaging drugs and stuff like that, that could really affect, you know, patients, um, right. people in general, um, that just wasn't right for me and working those long hours, maybe not potentially having to wager a lunch break or something like that, especially when you're in the retail world. Um, it's just like, I don't know if I can. I can handle that, you know, especially since I work to live. No, wait. Yeah, I work to live and not live to work, you know? Right. Like, there's so many interests, and I can't, like, you know, I don't really see myself just only working, you know, to fill my days. Right. If that makes sense. And, you know, with, I notice that, like, when I'm working in the, like, the hospital in my current position, um, I am like very detail oriented, but I'm detail oriented in a different way. Like I'm more like I notice things about people like, you know, sometimes like the patients are kind of like a little bit rough around the edges. So they'll hide stuff from you or like, um, you know, they'll lie about stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? Earlier in the day you told me this and now you're telling me a different story. (laughs) So now I'm kind of hmm. They're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I am detail-oriented in that fact that I do listen and I do care about people. Um, but I'm not detailed-oriented in the fact – well, I try to be. I tried – I'm not as detail-oriented in the fact where I have to, like, look at a package and be like, okay, does, like, the, <laughs> the drug indication number, like, match, like, the back of this? Or, like, you know, is, is it, like, you know, that kind of thing. I just – but, you know, it's just like my skill sets are, are different and it took me a while to realize that. And I realized that, like, I do have use for my bachelor's in pharmacy, um, you know, because I'm coming in like with knowledge that like a lot of other people don't really know, um, which I'm, I'm really like, grateful for. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're going to uh, nurse practitioner school and I forget what the other part of it is. Um, First psych. Yeah. Psychiatric. Psychiatric. Grad entry program. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, you, yeah, you made that jump just applying for all the jobs and you found your passion for it. How long have you like been there and um, like working <laughs> in that field? Um, Six months. Six months. Yeah. But okay. I have been volunteering at the suicide prevention services for almost three years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that okay. first. <laughs> So I've honestly never met someone who works for uh, the suicide hotline. What what is that like? Um, well, I volunteer. Right. Um, it's it's interesting. I mean, everybody has stories. Everybody has stuff that like they kind of stick with them. Like very interesting calls. Um, you know, very heartbreaking calls as well, um, and calls that are just like <laughs> what, <laughs> like prank calls, like. I, I hate that stuff. People actually <laughs> prank call. Oh my gosh. The hotline. Yes. <laughs> there was this um I think it was like a snow day or something, but there was like this like they they had to be like like preteen type, but they yeah. were calling and I heard giggling in the back and they were like, I'm suicidal. Um I just shoved a bunch of Hershey kisses up my butt because my my, my friend just lost me just lost out a video game and 
but one thing I did was like I was like you know I was trying to like be empathetic about it I'm not empathetic because I knew they were bullshitting right but more like okay sympathetic type passive I was like okay I'm so sorry to hear that like that must be so rough like you know, losing a video game and shoving all those <laughs> kidneys up your butt. And he was, like, I heard some giggling in the background. I'm like, you know what? I'm very concerned right now because, you know, you said that, you know, you're suicidal. We don't do this all the time. Like, if you're suicidal, like, I'll go, I'll, I'll talk about it later. I was like, you know, like, oh, my God, you're so, you're suicidal. Like, I'm about, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to, uh, I'm going to call the police right now. <laughs> And I'm going to send them over to your address. I didn't have his address. <laughs> I didn't call the police. And you know what? They're going to be there in about a couple hours, okay? <laughs> and he was freaking out. And I put down the phone. And then he called back. He was like, you know, it's a joke, right? You understand it, it was a fucking joke. And I'm like, I did not know it was a joke. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this was, you were joking? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But, oh. I mean, if you are suicidal, obviously, you know, definitely use it as, like, a resource and that sort of thing, too. I mean, you know, if, you know, someone says that they're suicidal at the hotline, like, I'm not going to call the police or anything. You know, people can be suicidal and not have a plan and that sort of thing. And obviously, you know, we take that very seriously. Right. Um, but it was just that kind of specific lesson that I just wanted to teach him a lesson to not prank call something like the suicide hotline when I could have been talking to someone else who's in crisis, you know, or could yeah, have been in crisis. Exactly. Don't be... <laughs> If you learn anything from this, don't be an asshat who prank calls the suicide hotline. Like, you're a piece of shit. I don't care if you're five years old. I don't care if you're 50 years old. You're a piece of shit. Like, when you're 13, I mean, obviously, you don't really know how the world works. But you know enough, like, right and wrong. Like, right. you know, to realize, like, it's a suicide hotline. Like, suicide you know, it's very serious and people, you know, you don't know who's been affected by it right. and that sort of thing. People do use that hotline as a very serious resource. Like therapists, they recommend their pay, the, the, their clients to call the suicide hotline when they're in crisis or if they just want to talk, you know, psychiatrists, like anybody, like healthcare professionals who are like, you know, 741-741, text help, right? Right. And that's that's something that, you know, it's, it's not a joke, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's... I think it's very, very serious, it right? Is, like yeah. you shouldn't, you just shouldn't fuck around with that at all. Yeah. There are some people there that, I mean, there's some really heartbreaking stories, but I mean, and then you get calls like that, that are just like, or like people that will <laughs> use it super like inappropriately. Like for the longest time, there was this guy that would do like some weird sexual stuff, like every six months when the new volunteers would start. And yeah, and he's done that for a while, but they stopped him. But it was just like, like you're doing this to a suicide hotline, a suicide hotline. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> like, isn't a sex operator. No. This is a suicide hotline. <laughs> like, a, like phone sex <laughs> Like it's not. Oh my god! <laughs> You'll be so surprised. There's some really weird people out there. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's very. I'm just kind of shocked, like, I, like when you see stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I would actually believe that, you know, you'd take it very, very serious, yeah. right? Yeah, it's very serious. I'm very passionate about it. And that was, volunteering there was one of the motives for me, like, realizing that psych psychiatry was, like, my, my future career. Like, 
I didn't see myself doing anything else outside of psychiatry. Yeah. How did you start, uh, like, volunteering? Um, honestly, like, I started off like everybody else, just trying to boost up my resume. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I was just like, you know what? This this would look cool. Like, you know, every single interview I've had for a job, like, they're always like, oh, you volunteer at a suicide hotline. I was like, yeah. I mean, it's a good, you know, interview starter, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, going on three years, like, I love it. Like, I volunteer there, like, all the time. Like, I I love it. Like, you know, the callers, like, there's some frequents that call and... You know, um, one of them actually ended up, did, like, commit suicide, and it was just, like, the worst, like, heartbreaking thing ever, and, you know, you, like, you build a, you build a connection with those callers, and, you know, you understand, like, um, you also learn a lot of stuff, too, like, mental, um, mental illnesses, like, the type of medications that they're on, like, their family, like, you notice patterns about them that, um, honestly, like, I mean, you could learn, like, you know, formal education like setting but also getting that experience is just like absolutely incredible right yeah i'm a firm believer of experiences way better than reading a book oh for sure for sure so what are you allowed to talk about like calls stories experiences that you know that come to mind that Um, someone said not like specifics um, I don't want to, like, make anybody uncomfortable, like, whoever might be listening in case they might use, like, the suicide hotline. Yeah. Like, they think that, like, oh, like, you know, if I talk, if they talk to me or something, like, I might share their story and they hear it somewhere. So, I, I guess I don't want to say yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Probably not. I just, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if there's any sort of yeah. laws or anything, like uh, HIPAA I mean, or something. There's, like, confidenti- confidentiality. I mean, as long as I don't use their name, but it's just, like... I, I think mental illness is just, like, such a stigmatized thing that, like, you know, if I do share it, you know, people have different reactions to it, and you just don't know, like, like, you know, if, like, I, like, whoever's, like, like story I'm sharing, like, they're listening in or something. I just right. want to, like, show respect to, like, everybody. Because, you know, like, there's, there's a lot of people, like, in Columbus that use that hotline, even out of Columbus, um, and I just don't want them to think, like, oh, like, you know, this volunteer, they're they're sharing the story, you know. So right. I don't want to trust, I don't want them to like lose trust in that hotline, especially when it might be someone's like only resource or like primary resource for getting help. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, it's such a like touchy subject. And like you yeah. said, it's so stigmatized Yeah. and it's hard for people to talk about it. And it's, I'm sure it's hard for someone to even just pick up the phone and call Yeah, it's the hotline. Yeah. I always tell people like, it takes a lot of courage to do that especially to like share your story with like a complete stranger like mm-hmm. even if it is on the phone like it's just like you know it's you know like asking for help you know having you know having someone else check up on you like when like you know your family you may not have the best relationship with your family sometimes it might even be easier to talk to a stranger I mean you know I know that like your relationship with your parents like sometimes like it's just really hard to like go up to your to your parent and be like oh I'm you know I'm feeling this way and you know, I know a lot of communities, they're just like, oh, you know, you just take this vitamin, you'll feel better right. or something. And just like, it's not how that works. You know, I know like in my family personally, it's just like mental illness. What? Like, you don't like <laughs> if I were to tell my parents I have ADHD, they would be like, 
no you don't like you just need you just need to take some turmeric <laughs> <laughs> you know you just need to pray a little bit more <laughs> very I'd say old school yeah. way of thinking. Yeah, my parents, my mom is very religious. So like when I was, before I was applying to college, my mom had like this like entire thing set up. Like I'm Hindu. So okay. my mom would be like, oh, you have to meditate. You have to drink turmeric water. You have to do this. Otherwise you will not get accepted into college. Like She was very serious about it too. So, And I actually believed her at one point. Like I did all that stuff. And I mean, I got into college, but not because of that. <laughs> <laughs> But I did it just because, you know, being superstitious and stuff, you know. Right. Like, just in case, just in case if I didn't meditate today, yeah. like, that would be, like, OSU's deciding factor. Like, oh, we're not going to accept her. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, those forwarded text threads. <laughs> if I don't forward this, I'm not going to make $100 tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I think the... The religion thing that you brought up is very interesting. So do you subscribe to religion or um, is it more your parents or how's that work? I'm not overtly religious. Like if people ask me like what I celebrate, like what my religion is, I'm just like, yeah, I'm Hindu. But like I'm not, I don't pray every day. I mean, I don't like go to the temple and that sort of thing as I used to when I was a kid. But that's like something that my parents do. And sometimes I'll go to functions with them. But that's about it. Like I don't do much with it you know okay. like I, I love it like um you know, i respect it i respect all religions but i mean like if people were like ask me like what i identify as that's like something what i would tell them you know okay yeah it's kind of like a christian when they're just like you know they don't go to church every sunday but like their parents do but that they grow up also going to church type thing or even if they didn't they're just like oh like what what do you identify as you know they're just like oh i'm christian even though you know they're just you're right. about it, yeah. Yeah, they just don't go to church on Sundays yeah. and whatever. <laughs> That's exactly what, <laughs> what I am. <laughs> so what was it like growing up Hindu um, like um, here in America? It was very confusing. I'll be honest, like um, part of Hinduism for me, like growing up in, was being vegetarian. So it was very difficult for me. Like my parents, my mom would be like, oh, eating meat is wrong. You know, this is wrong. And then you go to school and everybody's like eating steak, turkey sandwich. And it's just like, those are dead animals. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, and I was just like, it was just very like conflicting. And it was just like, if this is wrong, like, why are people doing it type thing? Yeah. And it took me a minute to process, like, you know, it's just like a cultural thing that we do. You know, what other people do, it's, it's, you know, it's up to them, but it doesn't make them a bad person, you know, like, um, it, it, you know, like, um. When I, when I was working at Target, I used to be, like, I used to kind of, like, internally just, like, really, like, dislike, like, the people that would buy meat product, which is, like, every single person. <laughs> I mean, it's Target. Like, they're buying their groceries. Right. <laughs> and I was just, like, oh, like, that's a dead animal. Like, <laughs> but, but then, you know, as I grow older and then, you know, I have a dog and I give him, like, I give him meat products, too. Like, and I'm just, like, you know what? Like, I'm not eating it. I make that decision for myself. And I respect other people who make whatever decision for themselves. You know, that's the part of, like, loving people. You know, part of um, Hinduism and Buddhism, um, like, um, values is, like, you know, um, kindness, love, kindness, and compassion. And that stems from, like, people, animals, insects, whatever it is. And just because, 
you know it's part of nature like every like every other species they eat meat and it's not me to like tell like a tiger like oh you don't eat that right. <laughs> like that's not right that's a dead animal right <laughs> you know and so who am i to tell someone that they can't eat or do something you know just because you know it just doesn't fit in what like what i used to you know like everybody has their own thing and i respect and love everybody equally for it that's awesome i <laughs> I think there's like a fine line of, or not maybe a fine line, but there's a spectrum <laughs> of religious people. <laughs> and I'd say you're like in the sweet spot. Because, <laughs> you know, there's those people that just shove it down your throat and they're like, you know, people who don't follow it like <laughs> I do or just terrible people and they're going to hell or whatever yeah. you believe in and like all that. And there's the people that are like Christian and they're like, I don't go to church on Sundays. But you're still a good but person. I still am a good person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like at one point I was vegan and, you know, I was like part of a vegan community. And there were like some people in the community who would be like, oh, my gosh, like that specific product is not entirely vegan because it has like this like fancy name that came from some derived <laughs> product. And you're just like, you know, you're doing your best. And that's all that matters. Like, right. It's just like, or they'll go to like a non-vegetarian person who's like eating, you know, that's a dead animal. Like, me, me, me. Like, shut, shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's not up to you to decide like what other people eat. Yeah. You know, it's just like how it's not up to them to decide what you eat. You know, it's just like, whatever. Just, just take it as it is. Like, you can control yourself if you don't, like, it's up to you. They're not bad people. Like, just like how we're not bad people. Right. You know? That's all it is. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mm. <laughs> the people who try to control what other people eat is just ridiculous to me. It it gives like, them a bad name. Yeah, like there's a stigma with people who are vegan or vegetarian because they're just like, oh, like you're gonna you're gonna shove all your morals down my throat. And I'm like, if you get to know me, like you will never know that I was vegan or vegetarian unless you asked. Yeah, you know, like I will never bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> And there's a stigma with vegans that they'll tell you within the first 30 yeah. seconds of you <laughs> meeting them. I'm like, you will never know. It's like, I'm Cameron and I'm vegan. Like, that's how I introduce that's myself. That's my entire identity. <laughs> like, I do nothing else in my life besides being vegan. Yeah. I'm on, I'm out on the internet all day on the forums, like, calling people sinners for eating meats. <laughs> my whole identity <laughs> trust me like i promise like even other vegetarians and vegans they hate those vegans like yeah everybody hates them yeah <laughs> uh, i've seen it i've witnessed it it's yes. the worst i've seen it and witnessed it too it makes it really awkward yeah it makes it harder to interact with that other person like you just scrutinize for eating a sandwich like it's like shut up <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then when you do that, like, it's not just eating. It's, like, everything, everything. else. It, like, you scrutinize someone for doing something, and then they just want to do it yes. in your face. <laughs> it's like a vegan comes up to me at a steakhouse, like, now I'm going to order the biggest one to your table, and then I'm going to join you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like reverse psychology. You tell people not to do something, they want to do it more. Right. They, nobody cares, like, what you personally think. You know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so did so your parents and you you grew up Hindu mm -hmm. and you kind of 
I guess have relaxed on the ideas of religion and you kind of follow your own path was that um I do incorporate some stuff from Hinduism that I did learn um like one thing that's like very commonly shared in Hinduism and Buddhism is like love kindness compassion um and that's like something that I take everywhere like meeting new people regardless of like who they are yeah like what they identify as like I'm like I love everybody and um like animals insects whatever you know nature mm-hmm. um also like karma um i really do believe in that like i feel like whatever energy you bring out into the world is what you're going to receive back right um i feel like you know if you treat people like shit or you know you do like quote unquote like really bad things that have like really drastic consequences and you don't serve on those consequences like karma is going to come and hit you back like yeah. it's just like the universe works in you know in a circular man- manner and that's something that i take seriously and also like dharma um like finding like your um like your purpose in life i think everybody has a purpose you know even if people think that they don't have a purpose like they have a purpose right and that's something that you know i i also consider too it's interesting because like i think this might adhd acting up again but i was <laughs> i just remembered like this Go quote for it. from a book um it's by Mark Manson. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I love that book. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I quote from it all the time on the suicide prevention hotline. And it's like the people who, um, like, you know, like life is full of like shit. Right. Like, you know, life is full of like obstacles. Like it's like regardless of like, um, like, you know, it's like someone like, you know, let's say, um, you know, people who have a lot of money, like they have money problems, like like jeff bezos for example he's like the richest person in the entire world right like he has money problems that homeless person down the street also has money problems you know people suffer because you know they have a family you know people suffer because of their family and people suffer suffer because they have no family you know people just suffer in general and that's part of an obstacle and i think yeah. that was i think i effed up the quote a little bit <laughs> <laughs> then it, but i remember it being mentioned in the book and that's Oh, that's something that I always that I always tell like the callers and yeah that's something that I also live by too and that was like something that you know I'm just like you know what that's right you know like I don't get along I mean I get along with my family my dad I have an iffy relationship with not because like he's a bad person it's just like he's just super annoying (laughs) (laughs) I mean he's just being a dad but I'm just like I just need my space (laughs) um but I'm just like you know what like I'm suffering from his annoyance, but I'm not like suffering to the point where like, oh my gosh. Like, I mean, I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to say suffering because that's not fair. Um, I'm like, you know, I've had like my obstacles like with my parents. Yeah. But then there's people who have no, no family. Right. And they're like really suffering or people who go through like domestic violence or, or that sort of thing. And they're very much suffering too. Yeah. You know. And you should, you know, be grateful that you can still call your yeah, parents, right? Exactly. They're not gone from this world and yeah. they're not abusing you, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's not that the grass is always greener, but you, you know, you're lucky. You should be grateful and it also could always be worse, right? Exactly. It could be worse, yeah. I mean, the reality is, is that I could have no family. Right. You know, like, at least I have, like, you know, if my parents were to be gone, for example, like, I still have, like, I have a huge family. Like, you know, there's always someone for me to rely on. And not everybody can say that. And 
you know um yeah yeah absolutely i i do have a question on um you know i i talk to people about it could always be worse mm -hmm. there's a lot of different viewpoints and i want to know what yours is on that quote if you're talking to someone like on the that's calling the hotline right um honestly i would never tell someone that it could always be worse okay because yeah. i don't want to like put that into their head that like oh my gosh like you know like it could be you know like you know it's already the worst you know like or like you know like if i do this like one little thing like it will be like you know because like most of the callers that i talk to who are in like a serious crisis they only see themselves going down like they right. never they don't see like an outlet you know like like a light at the end of the tunnel type thing yeah so honestly like i don't live like i don't like see things like oh it could be worse could be better i just see myself as like okay there is an obstacle how do i navigate this obstacle and then after i navigate that obstacle how do i navigate this obstacle because there's always going to be obstacles like you can be in the best position of your entire life like you're still going to face obstacles right it's just that like some obstacles are a lot better than others. I think that's what they said. I think that's what Mark put in, in the book. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, like um, some people suffer because of their family. Some people suffer because they have no family. But it's like some people's, you know, problems are a lot better than other people's problems type thing. But. Yeah, for sure. I'll be honest. I haven't read that book in a, a couple of years. But <laughs> I do I remember love loving book. it. And it actually, like, it's improved fine. my life. Me too. Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm in the process of reading like um it's like the it's the other book. It's like um like I haven't read the other one. It's, it's I know the It's a book about hope, like establishing hope when you don't see hope type thing. Okay. It's really good. He talks about like this like war that happened. Um crap, I took a pause on it. Um <laughs> but like this guy, like he was in hiding for a certain period of time, even though the war was over and he was still in hiding. And he realized that, like, he, I think, I think that's what it said. I might be, I'm probably wrong. But, like, he lost, like, all these years of his life, even though, like, his, even though the war was over decades ago. Right. Like, he was still in hiding, acting like the war was still going on. Um, but, yeah. I don't know, like, what happened to him. But, yeah, I, I love his books. <laughs> yeah, he has a wonderful way of writing. He's um, so funny. Yeah, he's funny. He's serious. Uh, the way that the book reads, the way that he writes is just so easy to just follow along. And yeah, yeah. it's great. Another thing that like I live by is like the panda thing. Like there there could be like some panda that like goes to your, goes, you know, door to door. And then, you know, he knocks on someone's door and is like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, you could go to work and, you know, you could earn all this money and, but you're working 70 hours a week or something, but you're, it's not going to make your kids love you more, you know? And it's just like a hard blow for some people because that's true. Right. You know, and it's also like the four burners. Like, I think it's, um, like work, you know what? I forgot what the four <laughs> burners were. Um, social life, family, friends, or no, work. Um, friends, family, school, I think. Yeah, something and, like that. Yeah, it's like when you put like one burner on the maximum, the other one's dim. So it's like finding the balance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the anyone listening who hasn't read the book, 
highly recommend checking it out uh not sponsored by the way <laughs> <laughs> um yeah the the thing that that book actually really helped me with was uh my anxiety when i'm driving really yeah it's weird <laughs> <laughs> like i don't think i'm a terrible driver at all my friends who listen may text me and tell me otherwise but <laughs> i would always have like anxiety about other drivers and what was going on wow. and like what was going on in their heads as they're driving really yeah wow. it was very weird and i read that book and it just went away just learning what to give a fuck about and learning it, what not to give a fuck about That's exactly exactly <laughs> i don't give a fuck about those people anymore <laughs> That book also helped me too. Actually, one of my coworkers at my last apartment gave me that book to read mm-hmm. because I realized part of it was like me taking things so per- seriously was because I was caring about what other people thought. Yeah. I mean, obviously it is important because you do care about what your boss thinks and that sort of thing. But like, you know, like like one or two people who kind of like try their best to like make your life kind of iffy. It's just like, you know, who cares about what they think? And I think that was like what what took a moment for me because I really did care about what people think and after like my shifts ended at that place um you know I would just go home and I would just be like mentally exhausted just all over the place like you know just like stressing about my next my next shift and that sort of thing and that book really helped yeah yeah that's the only book that like I actually like (laughs) I I do read books but like (laughs) um, not like that's the you know like the physical book like that i actually reread and yeah like i i absolutely love is there any others that you uh go back to i should say yes but no (laughs) (laughs) no that's cool there's sometimes there's those books that you're like i love this one i'll read it multiple times and there's others that you just read it once and you're done with it yeah i do need to make time for books but it's just like Honestly, the only books I open these days are textbooks. I just don't have time to, like, read, like, you know, for fun, you know, unless it's, like, to, for, like, unless I'm studying or doing something with it, if that makes sense. But, yeah, I mean, um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Studying for classes, reading for classes, and then reading for fun. Yeah. Those don't mix very well. (laughs) (laughs) That's too much reading. I I need to do other stuff, too. Yeah, unless you are a genius, I, <laughs> which I highly respect that, but <laughs> there's no way I could do it. <laughs> I mean, books are awesome, though. Like, I studied abroad in France, like Paris. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like um back in 2019. Um, it was, um, I studied at the Sorbonne in Paris um, for some time, and I, there was like a local bookstore that I used to buy, like, I bought like um, uh, like these like I forgot the titles were, but um, they were like horror books. They were like one of them was like um, Inception or something, and okay. then uh, a couple other ones. One of them was like a random one that like one of the people there recommended that she really liked, but I've never gotten around to them. <laughs> I just I don't know. I feel like if I were to like start reading and like dive into a good book, like of course I'll stay focused. But like having ADHD, it's like really hard to start you know doing that kind of thing especially when you're like oh reading's really boring yeah even though when you start it's not really as boring (laughs) (laughs) you have to find those books that you 
get sucked into like immediately yeah um or you're just trying to like force yourself to read right yeah or you can read it this happens to me uh often i can (laughs) i can start reading and my mind just goes elsewhere and all of a sudden (laughs) i don't know what's going on anymore yeah Um. (laughs) or like reading a page and then realizing like what did i just read and then going back Yep. That was another symptom of ADHD that <laughs> I didn't realize was ADHD, but I guess you can't really self-diagnose. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned that you traveled and studied abroad in France. Yeah. And one thing that I love talking about here is travel. So I want to hear all about the travel stories. Oh, it was so much fun. Um, it was really hard to make friends. Yeah. Like, you know, the stereotype with Parisians, how they're, like, really mean and that sort of thing. Um, it's true if you don't speak French, but I spoke French really well. I have a very neutral accent when I speak French, and it's interesting because my professor thought that I was from India. He thought that I was an exchange student from India. He was like, oh, my God, this is the first time that we've ever had an Indian exchange student. And I'm like, I'm American. Like, I'm just a silly American. <laughs> Racist prick. <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh but you speak french so well like you don't have an american accent and i'm just like thank you (laughs) i tried because i took private lessons like i took i took french private lessons fancy (laughs) (laughs) i took them on this um website called italki so they charge like there's like a different teachers on there and um they uh they some of them charge like as little as ten dollars some of them charge like 25 dollars um but they're just like international teachers who teach like from a specific median and then i also studied it in school too um i also studied ornithology in school as well hence like the diverse (laughs) interest (laughs) and stuff i was just interested in everything um but yeah when i got to to paris like i had a leg up because i didn't look like the typical american um so people were a lot more kinder with me um and because like i spoke french but i mean obviously they knew french wasn't my first language but they couldn't like really tell where I was from yeah. because I didn't have an American accent. I didn't have any accent. I had a very neutral accent. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> they just saw me and was like, oh, she's Indian. She's probably from India. <laughs> and that's it. Which, I, which was a leg up because I acted like I didn't know English even when I screwed up on my French. So they would correct me in French instead of switching automatically to English. So that was a benefit for me. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, I had um, a roommate, um, and well, there's nothing much to tell about him. But we traveled to Belgium. (laughs) It was like for a weekend. Um, We went clubbing, (laughs) and honestly, I'm not that kind of person to go clubbing and go go out. But that was so much fun. Like (laughs) um, the peeing boy, peeing girl statues are hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> um they're amazing they're oh my gosh i have a picture on my phone but they were selling like like they have so many so many like bachelor parties in belgium like um they were they were just people were just getting married and having their little bachelor parties like you'd never guess like belgium <laughs> that's like a hot spot for these <laughs> yeah. types of parties Every, like everybody was having like their bachelor bachelorette party there and it was interesting because like there was like this um statue like the pink boy statues it was pink milk and they were giving like these like milk samples in front of like this peeing boy that was peeing milk so like there was like a stand they were selling milk and then they had like cups of samples 
and they would just go up to the ping boy statue and then he would just be ping and they would just it would just be pouring into the cup and they'd be like here you go and the milk was warm <laughs> it's like a very like sexual city <laughs> yeah that's <But> a <laughs> interesting <laughs> like if uh, that kind of thing happened here like everybody would flip their shit <laughs> oh yeah people are getting arrested so fast <laughs> <laughs> but it was so creative like it was awesome like i'm like damn this is it's not as graphic as you think like the ping boys the ping one of the ping girl statues in the underground club was a little bit graphic but the ping boy statue wasn't too bad like so they're like in the club or it was like an underground club it's like this um secretive club called the big game <laughs> Ooh, fancy <laughs> it's just like a normal club it's just like a little bit more like a l- little bit more stuff going on there yeah <laughs> get my gist. not that i did anything but <laughs> it's, it's fun <laughs> that's so interesting yeah. that there is these statues and these clubs out there <laughs> it's weird yeah, like yeah i went there when i was 20 so like I could like freely buy alcohol. Yeah. And when I got back, I was still twenty, so I couldn't buy alcohol here. <laughs> and I'm just like this, like what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I would just like I would be drinking like every single day. Yeah. And then because I'm like this is like the first time I can actually buy alcohol, and that was like the first time I've actually had alcohol, um too. Because like here I'm like scared. I'm like oh my god, I'm breaking the law. <laughs> I'm gonna get arrested. <laughs> but it was like when I came back, like I couldn't do anything. Like, yeah, twenty-one years old to drink alcohol. What is this? the worst? <laughs> There's like fourteen-year-olds <laughs> buying alcohol. Nobody like they sell it on the streets in Paris. Like it's fine. <laughs> Isn't it? It's pretty normal to have like wine or something with dinner. So yeah, like that's fine. But if you're <laughs> buying like. A case of wine and you're 14 years old. I feel like that might, like, raise an eyebrow. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's, like, like the like um, like the fancy stuff. So it was, like, a lot less sketchy. Yeah. And, I mean, they drink it in moderation and that sort of thing. Like, you know, you know it's, it's very nice. I was, I was like, wow. Interesting. Not driving straight to alcoholism <laughs> like America. <laughs> I actually, Paris is amazing because they have the most efficient metro systems in the entire world. Like, really? Yeah. Um, they have this thing, like, um, they have like underground metros mm-hmm. and it's so efficient. There's one that comes like every two, three minutes. Um, they have this app called the Rat P app, which is partnered with um, Google Maps. Mm-hmm. And you type in a destination and it tells you exactly what metros to take and how long it's going to take. And to get to, like, one side of Paris to the other maybe takes about maximum 20 to 30 minutes. And, like, it's super efficient. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Like, stops and everything yeah. on the metro. And the passes are very easy. Like, they're very cheap. They have something called the Navigo Pass, um, which you renew at the beginning of the month. And um, you can have, like, unlimited metro, like, stops and stuff like that, too. It's, it's like, very easy that's awesome it's so and it's just like so efficient and i'm just like damn like i want to i want to live in a city where like i'm not reliant on my car yeah absolutely a <laughs> uh, big proponent of public transportation over here, sucks uh, here though. yeah yeah most most cities over here in america were not built around public transportation everybody um, needs a car even to drive like three minutes to the local kroger like everybody you have to take your car like yeah it's very hard to walk <laughs> yeah i live down the street from a grocery store 
and I never walked there. Same. (laughs) There's not even good public transportation to go to and from. Yeah. It's awful. You have to wait like a half hour and then on top of that it costs two dollars. Like yeah. <laughs> you have to pay cash. Like like nobody has time for that and it's just <laughs> Yeah. It sucks. So what did you study in um, France? I studied like advanced um French and then I also took a fashion class, which was the hardest thing ever. <laughs> it was so hard. It was like it was harder than probably my my chemistry classes. Like it was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, I have like no creative side to me. <laughs> and I also took a film class, and French films are really bizarre. Like they're so like sexual. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just, but it's like not like oh like you know, it's just like, like there was like one of the movies that he um that he, we had to watch and by the way like he like uploaded all these movies onto google drive and so i think it was like illegal type thing that he did that. <laughs> which was nice of him because like at least we didn't have to pay to watch these movies right but like um it was like one of the movies was like about this like guy that was like um he like traveled back in time um like pretending that like he wasn't born or something like if like he stopped like his mom and dad from like having sex and then he like stopped like the like ejaculation or something and it was just really weird it was like how who comes up with these plots like yeah and it was like graphic too it was like like it was like (laughs) it was extremely graphic like (laughs) doesn't sound interesting (laughs) (laughs) it was really funny (laughs) at least it was funny (laughs) (laughs) and it was just like it was like interesting i was like wow like if something like that were to be published here like there would be a riot <laughs> oh yeah there would be like, all kinds of ratings the karens would come like out yeah they're just like oh it's, a, it's for a class <laughs> hollywood would not approve the moms would not approve <laughs> it was especially fun, nowadays like everybody's sensitive about everything everyone's so sensitive about movies now everybody's sensitive about everything that's true like it's just like i don't know yeah it sucks (laughs) you have to like censor you have to actively censor yourself like it's just all the time all the time annoying even if you mean like no harm by it you still have to be like (laughs) sorry i didn't mean to hurt your feelings Feelings. (laughs) you'll get the fuck over it Um, yeah, I I think that's interesting, though, um, you know, being born in America, um, you're, I'd say, very American, right? Yeah, extremely. And I don't know, all the stuff that's going on, it's pretty much anti-white people. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's so sad. And it's, like, interesting because, like, you know, like, other communities outside of, like, you know like they also participate in it too you know yeah it's it's an everybody thing you know right it's not just like oh this demographic versus this, this demographic it's everybody like everybody contributes to it right but a lot of people a lot of people in other demographics are just a lot more like muted about it than anything else do you ever experience any sort of like racism or hate or anything honestly 
not really i was actually really lucky yeah <laughs> but yeah i i i can't think of like any situation like where i actually did experience that well that's good yeah it's probably because you speak english pretty well <laughs> <laughs> white people are like oh i can understand yeah. you <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everybody, like, everybody in my community, everybody that I talk to, they're very, like, liberal, accepting, like, I mean, it's 20, I was gonna say it's 2021, but it's 2022. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, you have to be these days, like, otherwise you're the odd one out. Like, Right. Know? Yeah, I, I don't know, I just, you know, you see on the internet or the news yeah. or whatever, so much hate for any, any color yeah. uh, of human now. It's yeah. not just... You know black white whatever yeah. it, the whole spectrum yeah. everyone's hates everyone i don't understand <laughs> yeah especially with the beginning of the covid thing like coronavirus like having it originate um oh yeah in like, china yeah and, and people, like, there was so much dead. hate yeah yeah like people were getting people were dying like not because of the coronavirus but because people were you know like doing like horrible things to yeah to people with Chinese descent and it's just like that's not how like you're not fixing anything yeah you're making it worse <laughs> <laughs> like you think you're gonna like cure COVID from that like you're not you're not <laughs> <laughs> they had nothing to do with it right <laughs> like, it's just like it's like <laughs> oh and now like uh with the Russia Ukraine thing going on yeah, and the gas prices and like that, everyone is hating on Russian people and everything else like you're not the ones having to sit in a bomb shelter like protecting your family right like we're i mean yeah gas prices are two dollars more and of course there are people out there that have to determine like you know am i going to pay for gas medicine or food type thing right but at the same time it's like you know like are you having to deal with that no you know or maybe you are and but there's resources for that you know like if i you know if i see someone who's struggling like you know and you know if if I know them, hopefully, <laughs> like you know, I'll, I'll I'll help. But it's just like, like, why why are you hating like on, you know, on something where where like they're like you know they're like in like a bomb shelter like they have to protect their family, yeah. Like they're in the middle of a war. <laughs> yeah. Like we just have a little increase in gas prices. It's different. <laughs> yeah, the Russian grandma that has been baking your pastries at the local Russian bakery is not the one causing <laughs> damage to Ukraine. No. So don't hate her. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. It's so true. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I try to, I try to bring the anti hate yeah. here. So I, I completely <laughs> agree. Like, yeah, it's just, I mean, like, I mean, $2 more. I mean, yeah, there's some people that are struggling with it, but, like, we're not, like, we can still go about our days. Like, we can go outside, you know, knowing that hopefully, that you know, we'll be safe. You know? Yeah. And, and that sort of thing. Not having to worry about, like, our friends, our family, like, if they're safe, too. Hopefully, I mean, I don't know everybody's situation, but. Right. If you're here, you're not worrying about your house getting struck with a missile. Yeah. Like I saw, I saw today actually, it was over a thousand missiles have been fired from Russia into Ukraine, and this has been going on for what three weeks, four weeks. I have no idea. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, there's so much that that's happened, like in the past couple of years. Like, 
yeah like we had an entire cultural like cultural change like like you know masks and that sort of thing like honestly mm-hmm. i think like even after the pandemic ends i think like there's like the mask thing is such a cultural shift like i think people are still going to continue wearing their masks yeah like it's just like for me like i'm definitely going to like it's just i love the concept of wearing a mask so much but at the same time i really hate the litter that comes with it oh yeah it's awful i hate it people just toss their mask wherever yeah and whenever you throw it away it's probably gonna end up in the ocean right (laughs) (laughs) it's bittersweet for everything but i mean it's interesting because i think they said that the pandemic was supposed to last till 2024 but i I think i read online but interesting yeah it was like last year so it probably isn't updated like my knowledge but it's gonna it's gonna be here for a while like it started when i was like 20 21 turning 22 to 2019 i think and it's still going on i'm almost 24 so (laughs) (laughs) it's like like there are people that are going through school like with this like yeah like you know kids growing up yeah babies being born all that fun stuff yeah and being reliant on technology to do their school that's just like the worst like i'll be honest like growing up for me like if i had to do online school it i just (laughs) i would probably be a dropout by now because i can't do that kind of thing right yeah it's hard to focus it's very hard to focus and it's hard to focus even in person but it's Mm -hmm. i'd say easier because i also took online classes so i know online versus person in person i'm a little i'm a little more likely to uh pay attention in person yeah i did love online classes but that's because because i was in college and i like the idea of being able to wash my dishes and do my laundry while still attending lectures yeah or like waking up 10 minutes before an exam (laughs) that's nice (laughs) right it's it's easier in college but when you're a kid it's probably a lot harder because yeah you know kids can't sit still it's like watching a, a video, like, oh, like, you know, showing up ABCs, like, you know, you have to touch, you know, like the letters. Yeah. It's like, it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to go back, though. Um, is there anything else you wanted to mention about that? Not really. Okay. Um, so I wanted to go back on your um, nurse practitioner uh, path that you're on. And working in the hospital. Yeah. yeah. I want to learn about that. Yeah. Um, so I work at um, a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. Which I love. Um, I work on a high acuity floor. So a lot of the patients there, they um, are experiencing like psychosis. For some of the patients, it's their first episode in psychosis. Um, or they're schizophrenic or they have like psychotic episodes with like bipolar, um, you know, bipolar mania, bipolar depression, psychotic features and that sort of, th- that sort of thing. And like, I love it. <laughs> like you really get to know the patients and there's a lot of stigma when it comes to mental health. I'm a huge mental health advocate. Um, you know, there are patients that have suffered for years, like their mental health has taken their, taken over their entire life. And, um, you know, they're going through ECT and that sort of thing. Um, it's something that I, I'm actually kind of surprised, like, how many people that I've come across with, like, in my life that have been hospitalized there that 
actually suffered from like that level of like mental health like mental illness like you just you just don't know what people go through and it's just like amazing and yeah (laughs) yeah so a couple of things psychosis um schizophrenia and what was like bipolar bipolar and so you are caring for people that are in the hospital with these sort of mental illnesses right yeah i'm just like a psychiatric care tech so i kind of just help out around the unit and like um you know do something called safety checks like check to make sure that they're okay um and that sort of thing and also like help with like crises like there are fights that happen and people have gotten assaulted um you know all the time on the unit not all the time but there have been quite a few instances. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm at the very entry level, but um, I'm hoping one day to definitely work my way up the ranks and be able to diagnose and participate and like, like make clinical decisions um, after I get my, um, uh, my certification in psychiatric NP nurse practitioning. Um, I want to go back to school and get my uh, psychology degree and be able to focus more on the clinical therapeutics of of that kind of thing as well. Okay. So go even further yes. past the NP. Okay. Yeah. So like when you're when you get your NP you can prescribe meds, but like only having your psychology degree you can't prescribe meds. It's more therapeutic type thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, I want to be able to do both. So Okay. Yeah. So what I guess what would that like entail with specific I guess cases, right? Oh yeah, like working with like those high level. Yeah. Oh, what do you mean? Sorry. <laughs> um. So, what would it be like working with someone with like schizophrenia and doing what you want to do, or working with someone with bipolar and you know taking mm-hmm. the path that you want to take? It's interesting because I know it's going to be like um a challenging process depending on the person. You know, some people are very open to help, and others they don't even recognize that they have a mental illness. Um, you see that all the time, like, especially when people are admitted, like, involuntarily, they just, like, just, like, what do I have to do to get out of here, to get me out of here right now, you know? And there's people who come in, you know, voluntarily, and they, they're like, okay, like, this is what I'm experiencing, and I want the help. You know, there's that dynamic. Um, I'm not sure if I want to do inpatient or outpatient yet, um, but I do know that, like, you know, it's, mental health is a journey, like, regardless of, like, like, there's nothing that can cure your depression, um, there's nothing that can cure your anxiety. There's nothing that can cure anything. There's stuff that can help alleviate it, but um, there's nothing in particular that's going to be like, oh, you know, I'm not depressed anymore. You know, I'm going to. Yeah. Woof. It's all um, gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nothing in, like that. Yeah. I think the one thing that really popped out to me is like, I really value like the connections I made with some of those patients. Like you, you know, some of them have been there for months. And you realize, like, you know, you do obviously you want them to feel better and you don't want them to come back to the hospital. Um, you know, you want them to live their best life. But at the same time, you're just like, you know, I really hope that this person, like, does really well. Like, there's this one guy, he, um, he took some, he took an exam, um, and he has a learning disability, intellectual disability with autism and that sort of thing, too. And it's very severe autism and learning disability. He had to explain to his parents that, you know, he failed this exam and that sort of thing and to, like, describe, like, what he had. And it was just, like, the worst thing ever. I, like, really felt for him. And, um, you know, at the end, 
when he was about to get discharged he was like talking he was got getting really excited because he wanted to be a truck driver and he was like oh like you know truck drivers they drink bang and all these like monsters like i'm gonna have all this monster in my in my truck i'm gonna be drinking this all day i'm gonna have fast food all day i love <laughs> wendy's <laughs> and i was just like yay <laughs> you know you just like you really feel for them you know yeah yeah so is there is are you able to talk about like i guess when someone com- comes in with like schizophrenia like what what are they experiencing and what are you experiencing like with them um when i know like for a lot of people like you know there's people who come in and out of hospitals like periodically like there's some patients who've been in like you know all the behavioral health hospitals in columbus i think there's about three or four um and there's some people who it's like their first time and it's like overwhelming you know there's a lot going on there's like dynamic personalities and that sort of thing and there are people who are who have like very strong symptoms like um like the voices are like extremely loud they're yelling they're unable to concentrate they're unable to do anything um and there are people who are very depressed they can't you know they haven't bathed in two months um you just get like a wide variety of people and different personalities in different circumstances definitely clash um you know patients you know some some of the patients get involved and like um become a part of like other patients delusions you know type thing and you know incidents can happen but i mean obviously we we definitely limit them and it's it's you know it's really nice to see like them at the end like when they're better and then sometimes it's it can get really heartbreaking when they come back like a week later when they when you find out that they're not taking their medication or something like that like you develop a really strong relationship with them which is not something that um i mean in the medical area too yeah you can but i mean not not as much as psychiatry like psychiatry it's like like they come back i mean some of them have been like regulars at the hospital that i work at so you really really start to connect with them there's something yeah (laughs) how how often are people or sorry how long does a patient usually come into the hospital because you mentioned months and like that sounded like it was a long time it kind of depends on like the severity and their willingness to like i guess undergo their treatment you know there are some people who don't believe that they have a mental illness whatsoever um you know they you know what they sound like is it's very logical like you know for example like there could be a patient who you know has like this belief that they're you know that they have like some sort of special power or something and they they're just like yeah like i mean this is a gift like you know i don't have a mental illness you know this is just who i am like you know i don't know why i'm here and they don't want to take their meds they don't think that they have a mental illness even though even though you know it's explained to them what they have their symptoms and that sort of thing that takes a while so you know, it's just kind of depending on, like, the doctors and the prescribers and how they feel um, and how they go about that. Um, you know, some people, they, they really want the help, and they do really well on the meds that, that are prescribed to them. They get discharged right away um, after they're admitted. It just really depends on the person. I mean, some people, like, they just, you know, they can't, like, take their medications or undergo treatment by themselves. They're very dependent on another person. Um, so they just, it's just like a cycle for them. And it's very heartbreaking to see. I mean, it's like nice to see that they're, you know, they're back to like their best self. But then when they quickly regress, 
um it's just like like oh yeah it's yeah. sad that you worked yeah. to worked with them for however long and then mm-hmm. they're right back at it yeah i've only been there for a few months and i've seen like um, a couple of patients have been back like two three times already and it's just like wow yeah <laughs> it's just like an entire cycle so are they coming like voluntarily or forcefully like how do how do people end up at the hospital um it kind of depends like some some of them are some of them are involuntary like net care for example um you know or like the police will be called on them they'll make a judgment um or some of them like their family member or they'll drive themselves to the ed and just be like yeah like i'm experiencing this like i need some help right away and you know it just it really much like depends like regardless like it takes a lot of courage to do that like being in a you know with the stigma with psych hospitals and stuff like there's a lot of stigma with it like people are yeah like oh like people are all over the place they're doing all this stuff it's really not like that i mean it's it's a lot more structured than people think and honestly like i think that like you know if people are if you are experiencing like a crisis like definitely go to the ed and get the help that you need regardless of the stigma like it's very important like people like lose their lives like i think suicide is like the top 10 percent of like deaths or something yeah it's pretty high up there it's yeah it's very very serious and you know like don't like have that label like there's a lot of protection you know when it comes to that kind of thing you know just just get the help that you need so you can function enough you know so you can be happy yourself yeah yeah is um I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> what What's the, I guess, stigma with the patients that come in? Or you kind of mentioned that some just think that they're, you know, the grace of God and some that just some don't accept that it. Some they're in jail. Some think they're in jail? Yeah. They're just wow. like, wow, this is jail. Yeah. And, you know, you try to make them comfortable, like, this is absolutely not jail, like... Yeah. And some of them are given the option between jail and the hospital, and obviously, you know, they're going to choose the hospital. I mean, they get snacks whenever they want, like, <laughs> they have a bed, they have a tablet to play on, like, you know, they... It's, you know, and it's... I mean, there is a lot of stigma, and the, and the patients do notice the stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, like, they don't... You know, sometimes, like, they'll be argumentative, they don't get what they want, even though, you know, it's the rules type thing and they're just like yeah you know i'm being treated differently because of my mental health and you know it's always important to like reassure them like that's not what's happening like you know if you know i you know i both would be working here if you know we you know didn't if we weren't passionate about mental health right you know it's such a like specific area to work in like you can earn just as much money if not more doing any other job in the hospital and have a completely different task you know different job type thing you know and that's something that I always, you know, mention to them too. Like, it's not because, like, we hate you. It's not because, you know, we think, you know, this way about you. It's not like that. Like, we're all super empathetic. Like, we care about you, which is why that we're work, which is why we work here. Right. Yeah. What, so you mentioned that um, there's also people that can walk around like with their mental illness, like severe, severe ones like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know you don't really know right yeah um 
that's definitely a stigma yeah. out in society where you know you see schizophrenic man kills family or something yeah. like on the news right yeah. but there's also schizophrenic people that you're taking care of that are you know in society as quote-unquote normal yeah. and living their daily lives and not you know committing heinous acts yeah um i mean what i'm i think what i'm about to say is like very kind of tabooish but you know suicide is you know it's a mental illness i mean it's the result of a mental illness homicidal ideation in my personal in my personal opinion is also a result of a mental illness you know people who commit those types of crimes like heinous crimes like like mullet like you know raping and that sort of thing like those are also indications of a mental illness like it's not just depression or anxiety um or adhd <laughs> it's um it's you know there's a lot to it mm-hmm. and you know um you know having those thoughts you know it's not necessarily okay I w- i'm not gonna say like it's okay to have those thoughts but it's definitely not okay to act on them yeah you know like like homicidal ideation like there are people who come into the hospital and they like they're like yeah you know, I hate this person, like, even on the suicide prevention hotline, like, I've gotten some calls where, like, they're just like, oh, my gosh, I absolutely hate my neighbor, like, it comes from, like, yeah, I'm suicidal, to, like, oh, my gosh, like, my neighbor, my neighbor's dog barks all day, like, I hate them, like, it pooped in my yard the other day, like, I'm gonna kill them, like, you know, it kind of escalates, you know, like, just absolute rage and hatred for whatever's happening yeah and you're just like you know you ask them kind of similar questions to someone you'd ask for like suicide like do you have a plan what's your intent do you have weapons like you know do you have like support type thing you know do you do you do you do you you hear voices um that sort of thing i don't ask like if they hear voices or not on the suicide prevention hotline though but you know that's like standard um questions that you would ask um and it's like very similar questions to someone who's like homicidal too like you know do you have a plan like what's your intent you know that sort of thing as well you know because like you know people said you know people can say like oh my gosh like i'm gonna kill them you know out of range but they don't mean it you know but it's always like good to be cautionary yeah even still like it's still an indication of a mental illness right now is there like a diagnosis a full diagnosis for someone having those suicidal or homicidal thoughts Um, or yeah are you like familiar with like the diag the diagnostic statistics manual the dsm yeah i know it is the dsm (laughs) (laughs) i was i was guessing i'm like "Mm, yep dsm (laughs) yeah so it has like a a list of of, like the the different mental illnesses and stuff and a lot of them you know they have like homicidal ideation suicidal ideation as like you know like I don't want to say like potential consequences i'm not entirely familiar because i don't really have much education because it's very entry level for me but um i mean yeah i mean some of those like rage um agitation type things yeah they're they are like they fit the criteria for quite a few mental illnesses yeah what are those mental illnesses that they're fitting into like mania. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to just throw you on the spot <laughs> for a pop <laughs> quiz <laughs> um like i don't know like maybe like potential mania like for bipolar um you know like maybe even depression like irritability um you know that sort of thing as well i mean i mean anything anytime like someone feels like an off balance like you know it's very common to feel irritable and 
agitated, especially like if like you know even over like minor stuff, like you know someone can look at you the wrong way, you know, and you can just be like, oh, like you know, I just I'm not really familiar with like everything in that book. Um, right. I just just based on what I've seen, like you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You meet everybody, which is interesting, like all types. Like there's some people that I've come across with like in my life that have been hospitalized at that hospital that I worked at and I had no idea that they were experiencing that. I mean, it's very interesting. <laughs> oh, so like people that you've come across with in yeah. life and now working there, you've seen someone like you know them. Yeah. And it's very awkward. I mean, <laughs> At least, like, they don't really recognize me because they were just, like, like, someone I kind of just passed by, but you're just, like, wow, you had, like, you couldn't tell that they had, like, th that type of, like, mental illness, like, schizophrenia and that sort of thing. Yeah. And you realize, like, there's this, that, that stigma is so big, like, people consider, like, um, you know, people don't understand, like, those people are very smart. Like, you mm -hmm. know, people who have, who, it's always, like, one of the nurses that I was working with was joking, like, it's always the straight A students who have like the first episode psychosis type. <laughs> like there's a lot of people who are, there's like doctors, people who go to Ivy League schools who, who experience like their first episode in psychosis. Like it's literally anybody. It can yeah. affect anybody. Like it's not, it's not like a specific demographic and it happens like all over the world. It's not just like, oh, an American thing or like, oh, this demographic thing, you know. Yeah, it's anyone at yeah. any time, yeah. right? It's interesting because, like, it's always the really smart people. <laughs> There's that quite is a few, interesting. Like, very smart people. Like, I, I guess I don't really want to go into, like, specifics, but there's always just, like, the very, like, it's always, like, in their chart, like, oh, they were a 4.0 student, and then all of a sudden they started, you know, doing all this, this, and this, and it was just, like, that was their first break in psychosis, yeah one one thing led to another and yeah. they just broke as a yeah. human and and now they need some help like they can't fix it themselves they need yeah they just need external help and that's okay yeah, yeah. it's totally fine yeah i just find it interesting because like you know when before i started working there i was just like oh it's different it's all you know it's you know other people you know it's not like you know like the really smart person you know it's like there are professors that have you know, experience that sort of thing. Like, you know, there was a professor at my school. Um, he teaches one of the classes. I think it's like addicting drugs or something. But he um, worked as a retail pharmacist for some time. And then he also had his PhD. I never took a class with him, but I was about to take a class with him. Um, but he had a drug addiction for quite some time. Um, and then he recovered and now he's a professor. And just by like looking at the way like he carries himself and stuff, like, you can never tell. Yeah. You can never tell. Like, he's, like, honestly, like, I need to sign up for that class because <laughs> it seems interesting, but I just, you know, like, people carry themselves, and, you know, that's that's another important thing, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it's great that people can, you know, conquer schizophrenia or, like, bipolar or... Yeah mania or psychosis yeah. all these things that it's can like a lifelong thing like yeah it's not a cure i mean you know just just keep the consistency and reach out for when you need help and that's all you can do yeah yeah is there 
not solving the world's problems. Yeah. Uh, we try to, but <laughs> we, we don't. <laughs> Is there anything that you believe that could make the world a better place for someone with a mental illness? Oof. Um, honestly, stigma is a really big thing. I was going to amend my question and say not the stigma because... (laughs) (laughs) You knew my answer. (laughs) You already knew it. People are assholes. They need to quit the stigma. That one, yeah, Um, scratch that one off. (laughs) um, Any other, like, resources or physical places that people can go or... I mean, I would say just utilize as much resources as you can. Yeah. Like, people don't realize, like, how many resources that they have when they are about to experience a crisis or when they are experiencing a crisis. Like, mm-hmm. you see, like, the rise in telehealth services. Like, there's BetterHelp, Cerebral, um, those sort of things. Like, I think with Cerebral, like, you can you can have access to a therapist and um, a healthcare provider. And yeah. they can prescribe you meds, like, from your couch. <laughs> And yeah. like very low cost, like mental health is very expensive. Like I'm not gonna lie, like it's very very expensive. But having those types of resources avail- available, and a lot of companies also offer EAP, um, like employee assistance programs, like for their employees. So if something's like affecting your work or your school, like there's probably something out there, you know, like um, to help, like you know, like with what you're doing, and you know, if you can receive that help and. Your employer doesn't have to know about that, you know. Your your school doesn't have to know about that, mm-hmm. you know. And you can just all of a sudden you're doing really good in school. You're doing really good at work, and your boss loves you. Like, you know, take advantage of that stuff. So yeah, um, the availability is there. Yeah. But people don't really know about it. Yeah, there's so many resources. Like one thing I learned in the suicide prevention hotline is there's something called the like the Huckleberry House for um, abused children. Oh, yeah. I've actually learned about that. Yeah. I had no idea about that. Yeah. It's like, isn't there like a Kroger on the short north where like kids can like go to and just be like. I think so. Yeah. They just have to like say that they need some sort of resource or something. And there's like a car that drives them to like a safe place mm-hmm. or something. And there's also like a domestic, like a women's domestic abuse like area in Columbus. Yeah. And like the location secret. So like their abuser can't find them. That's awesome, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's there's so many things like and honestly like um like me being a volunteer at the suicide prevention services like I will like if if a caller is looking for something like I will like flip up my laptop like we will look for resources together like Oh, so you'll start like yeah. researching oh, yeah. finding something right yeah. now. I'll call them up like <laughs> it will be three o'clock in the morning if you need some help like I'll call them up like and talk to them and be like hey like this is what's going on i'll transfer the call to you like i'll make sure i'll stay on the phone like until like someone until someone comes like Mm -hmm. that's how much like i love like volunteering there and you know i just that's how passionate i am about mental health it's just super important it's interesting because like i don't have any mental health issues outside of adhd (laughs) which i found out a month ago (laughs) but you know after working you know at the psychiatric hospital like i realized like you know, this is like my calling. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah. I find it awesome that you're so passionate about it that you're yeah. just like, I'll do whatever it takes, right? Yeah. I think that's a yeah. awesome lesson for anyone to take into their lives is, you know, 
whatever you're find your passion right yeah exactly and even if it's like on like accident i was just super desperate to get out of that department (laughs) i was like you know what whatever yeah and you know i think it was meant to be i think it was like i was serving my purpose yeah everything happens for a reason right yeah awesome is there anything else that you wanted to mention about mental health or what you do life experiences um i would say like put yourself out there um it's kind of interesting that we did this <laughs> like um yeah <laughs> oh yeah i published a paper <laughs> you published a paper yeah it's on vitamin d and covid this is completely random but at least i'm putting my bachelor's in pharmacy to use a little <laughs> bit <laughs> with some person i met on bumble biz okay out of all the apps so you met someone on <laughs> Bumble Biz yeah, and which... wrote a paper with them. Yes, without ever meeting them outside of Zoom. Okay, so you met them only <laughs> on Zoom. Yes. You wrote a published, now published paper mm-hmm. with them. Yep. If you type in um, vitamin D and, the, and its effects on COVID-19 into Google, it should pop up. Nice. Yes. And I, can, I can link it in the yeah, description if yeah. you want me to. Yeah, I'm looking for more people to read it so that way like, the amount of people can go up on the yeah (laughs) it's only a thousand people and i published it in september so (laughs) that's so interesting i know that you want people to read the paper but yeah like how how, i met that person (laughs) yeah how do you go how do you start from wanting to write a paper i guess to um (laughs) it was something i've always wanted to do like i'll be honest like at osu like i always like talk to like my professors and stuff like try to get into their labs but it was like oh like cleaning up test tubes and stuff like stuff I didn't want to do and like it wasn't active and then you know I was just like you know what you know and I would like message people on LinkedIn too I'm like hey I'm looking for opportunities like do you have any and they're just like no not really um sorry you know you yeah. like message like 50 different professors everybody says no and all of a sudden like it's just like wow <laughs> like some <laughs> and he's really nice too I was kind of surprised like it's not as creepy as people think. It's not as weird. Right. Like it's <laughs> like it was very professional. Like it was just like he was like, "Hey, like you know, I I see that you want to." At the time, I wanted to go to medical school. So it was like, "Hey, you want to go to medical school? Like, you know, I'm a medical researcher. Like, you know, if you come up with a subject for a paper that you want to write, we can do it. We can do a literary review, and we did it. I actually wrote it. Like, didn't think that like he would actually like pull through on his word, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> like he even got a doctorate to edit it. <laughs> And he did, like, his um, residency in general surgery for, like, three years, a doctor um, at the University of Kentucky. And, like, you know, this other guy, like, he has his Ph.D. And <laughs> and he teaches at, at a university in Pittsburgh. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just creeps on the Internet. You actually... It's not, like, people just, like, looking for sugar daddies type <laughs> arrangement stuff. Like, it's, it's, it's legit. Yeah. There's... Kind of. There's some legit stuff out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you come across the idea of wanting to write about vitamin D and COVID? He came up with it himself. I, oh, okay. Yeah, my original idea was um, ACE inhibitor drugs, um, like lisinopril um, and that sort of thing. Uh, that, so ACE inhibitor drugs are hypertension dr- I guess I probably should explain they're hypertension drugs they like treat high blood pressure Okay. Um, but part of their drug mechanism is that they bind to the ACE receptors um, you know within within your system 
And that's also what the coronavirus also binds to is the okay. ACE2 receptor. So I was thinking that like putting two and two, like people on high, um, on, um, high blood pressure medications, like they might be less likely to get infected with the coronavirus because they're, there's like um, a competitive inhibition there. You know, if the drug itself is like connecting to those, is attaching to those receptors, then the coronavirus will have less receptors to attach to. Right. So I wanted to do, like I wanted to set up like a research lab because I knew he had a lab in um, Kentucky. So we were like planning and that sort of thing. He was open to it. Um, but then I realized like he was telling me how expensive it was <laughs> and how many years it was, was going to take. And I was like, uh, no, that's okay. <laughs> but I'm like, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we just start stuff with like literary reviews and stuff. But um, it's an idea still out there. And I think there's like um, quite a few people out there, like um, people with more resources, obviously, um, that, you know, they're doing that. You know, it's already an idea out there. But I mean, it would have been interesting. Like, I love pharmacy, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Um, bringing in like vitamin D and COVID and mixing them together into a research. Yeah. I feel like there's people out there with like more mental illness now or depression or whatever, because they're not outside as much and vitamin D boosts like serotonin and whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It also boosts the immune system too. It activates like BT and antigen presenting cells and stuff like that too help fight coronavirus (laughs) 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 and other illnesses obviously and it's interesting because like there's been a push um to increase like the national recommended dosage of vitamin d um significantly i forgot how much it's been a while since i wrote that paper um but i think like the recommend the previous recommended dosage was like 200 international units and now they're recommending like like multiple times that wow yeah and there's like vitamin d is harmless like you can't really overdose on vitamin D unless you take like a lot of it for a significant period of time. Yeah. You know, so it's just like one of those things where it's just like, you know, like there's no harm to it. I mean, a lot of the patients who do get hospitalized in um, hospitals, like it's found that they do have vitamin D deficiency, especially with like African-Americans and South Asians with darker skin, like the melanin in the skin, like it really does inhibit like, inhibit the amount of vitamin d you're getting really yeah i actually didn't know that at all that's interesting yeah it's it's pretty yeah it's it's something and also it helps you know with with um uh, fighting against like osteoporosis and that sort of thing as well um along with vitamin c and calcium um yeah i mean there's just like a lot to it it's 10 pages long (laughs) so i did a lot of it a lot of the research um, I'm writing another paper with him um, about curcumin and type 2 diabetes um, that is still in the works. It's been in the works for a while because I get distracted. <laughs> <laughs> You'll and, get there. Yeah, I'll get there. <laughs> what is what is that one about? Um, it's about um, turmeric. Like the um, curcumin is like um, a compound in, in, um, in turmeric, um, which has okay. like a lot of potential benefits like anti-inflammatory properties, anti-cancer, um, you know, um, it can also help like regulate blood sugar and that sort of thing as well. It's just like, like a spice that's used in like, um, like Israel, um, you know, South Asia, 
you know, a lot of a lot of different countries and places. Um, it's commonly used, and it's just and they're considering like the it has like a very low bioavailability, so it's not like it can't really necessarily be used as like a viable treatment, yeah. like a drug per se. But there's like a lot of like uh, like um, ways to like uh, like extend like the bioavailability within the bloodstream, like adding pepper, for example, like black pepper. Um, it just can help, you know, increase like the potency of it um, and extend the bioavailability of it. Um, as also, it's like um, through lipids and that sort of thing as well. Um, so I'm just kind of like examining like the different ways that we can kind of extend um, turmeric or curcumin um, to maybe potentially have it as like a, a preventative treatment against prediabetes or maybe as like a supplement to a healthy lifestyle for people with diabetes. So. interesting yeah <laughs> i find it interesting but people might be like oh <laughs> no i think it's i think it's interesting because it's like you're trying to treat you know diabetes yeah. or make it less severe or yeah. things like that right yeah i mean turmeric itself can't necessarily be like a single treatment i mean obviously you know before they recommend any sort of medications obviously there's that lifestyle change yeah yeah and you know because like when you take a specific type of medication like let's say metformin for diabetes i mean it has other adverse i mean potential side effects i mean you know people with diabetes might also have hypertension they'll have to take you know those types of meds too and other meds you know to kind of supplement that and insulin you know um yeah it's interesting yeah <laughs> i i think it'll go well with your research I hope so. <laughs> I have like a lot of stuff. I have like a lot of interests. Yeah. But like, I think you're, I know like where I'm going. So. And you're gonna I, be publishing papers left and right. <laughs> it's copyrighted, the one that I published. So I'm really happy about that. It's the first one I've ever written. Yeah, it's that's the coolest accomplishment. Um, yeah. Like publishing papers. That's to me. That's fucking awesome. I like, know. <laughs> I know a couple people have uh, like that i know personally i'm like that is so fucking cool because <laughs> it's not just an easy feat right there's so much that goes into it. it it was like i had to watch multiple youtube videos to figure out how to cite like properly it was just yeah it was frustrating and but the person i work with was like pretty awesome like yeah. i was kind of curious I, I wasn't sure if like he was actually gonna like you know, allow, like, I, I wasn't sure if he was actually going to pull through, but he definitely did a lot more than pull through. Like, he was like, yeah, we're going to get this paper published. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I that um, wasn't just a random fool on the internet. Like, he actually yeah. pulled through, helped you out, and now you're going for a second paper. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be, like, a long-term relationship thing with him, like, professional relationship with him, which is something that, like, I've like always kind of wanted like a mentor mm -hmm. and have someone with like a lot of connections like he has yeah like he knows like a lot of people in the field that i that i'm in like psychiatrists and stuff like that and people like that um and you know i, I know that like eventually i can publish like a paper within that realm you know outside of like my comfort zone which is pharmacy yeah um which is something that i'm very excited for um yeah like out of like any place like even like from professors and stuff like it's very hard to find like someone like that like <laughs> even if it was on accident like yeah put yourself out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah you never know what's gonna happen 
Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, is there uh, anything else you wanted to mention, or um, do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, we can wrap it up. All right. Um, listen to one episode, so <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I I always ask a question at the end. Um, you know, what's the what's that one piece of advice that you want to live on that you want to live on that you know you said. Put yourself out there, even like, and like the like in places that you don't find opportunities in, like you'll find opportunities. Like if you look, even if you're casually looking, like there's always something. Like I guess I'm not specific. <laughs> like you'll you'll like just put yourself out there. Put yourself out there in yeah. any situation. Not any. I mean, keep it safe, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> keep it safe. But always like keep an open mind about people in a healthy manner obviously right and um you know you know try to like limit the nose with opportunities and stuff because you never know like <laughs> you never know what can happen exactly yeah awesome <laughs> uh well i appreciate you coming out here and sharing your story and you know being open-minded to doing a podcast and we don't even know each other i know right? so <laughs> and it was fun Luke. <laughs> i'm glad you had a good time yeah um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for coming out. And uh, until next time. See ya. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fatal to Prejudice. If you or anyone you know would like to be a guest, please visit my website at CameronChats.com and fill out the contact me form. Please fill out the subject line as podcast interview and write me a small blurb on why you or someone you know should be a guest. I'll leave a link in the description for ease of access. You can support this podcast by listening to it on your favorite podcasting site. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Another way to support is by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fatal to prejudice. Patreon is the only monetary support system. If you would like to sign up and support through there, I am forever grateful for you. Again, thank you for tuning in.